Welcome to First Generation Burden, a series of conversations with immigrants and the children of immigrants. My name is Rich Tu and I'm your host. So welcome to episode five of season three. Today we talked to Bashana Carr, the executive creative director of AKA, an entertainment agency here in New York City, and one half of the director duo Jams and Bash. Notably, one of their clients this year was the band's visit, which won the 2018 Tony Award for Best Musical. We talk about his upbringing in Newark, New Jersey, with a Jamaican and Southern background. We also talk about how his family's professional music careers affected his youth and the culture shock of moving to Alabama for a couple of years. Then we get into the importance of understanding culture and storytelling and how that was ingrained in him in his early days at Spodco. And we also grade the Space Force logos. Also, they're not good. But before we get into grading Space Force logos, I just want to talk about our sponsor, Des Gin. Des Gin is an American modern gin with a mission to unite design with the spirit industry. Designed both inside and out, it merges the traditional and the unconventional. So if I had to characterize this episode, I say it's very relaxed and chill and just two friends having a really good talk. So without further ado, here's that conversation. Bashana Carr. Hello. Welcome to First Generation Burden. My good friend. Oh, thanks, buddy. Uh, so, um, for for all of our listeners, um, as usual, could you s- tell us a little bit about uh, where your family's from and where you originally come from? We can just start from there. Uh, well, I am from Newark, New Jersey, and my my parents, my dad is uh, side is Jamaican, East Orange Jamaican. <laughs> East Orange, Jamaican. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tremont Street. Oh, yeah. Jamaican. Oh, yeah. Renshaw Avenue, East Orange. <laughs> Route 280, Jamaican. Yeah, totally. Just off the Garden State Parkway, you know what I'm saying? And my, my mom's side is from Florida, so, you know, like regular black. My parents met here, uh, I think my dad, my dad was like a singer and... You know, I, f- I think they might have met at a party and had a good time, kind of crazy late night out, and then all of a sudden they had a kid, and I was like, whoa. See, I actually kind of want to hear more about this, because I know I know from just being friends with you that, that you have um, a, a performance background in your family, and of course everything that like we've worked together on that you do, like I just want to know a little bit more about that. What does that, what does that mean? Like what? Where was he performing? What was he? Oh man! So what my uncle and like? my dad were uh, like these R and B singers, you know, which is basically like uh, <laughs> sex music from the eighties. <laughs> and they have this really like awesome headshot with the two of them fully afroed out and fully like retouched, like nobody's business. So maybe they weren't retouched. Maybe black people's skin that at that time was just that smooth. <laughs> Uh, were they local? Were they? Did they have recording contracts, or were they performing? My, I know my uncle had a recording contract with uh, Warner Brothers a long time ago, and his name was Zan the Man. And I, hell of I, a name! That's yeah. a great name. Oh man, I honestly thought he was the man. <laughs> so I, I think I've met this uncle. Have I not? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You've, you've met him. You've met him. Yeah. So my uncle had a recording contract with with Warner Brothers, and. Uh, you know, uh, the the fondest memory I have of that time or that he likes to bring up is he was going to China uh, for, because he was on tour, and I had recently seen a, a, a newscasting or whatever on, um, on TV about killer bees landing somewhere in China, could be absolutely anywhere, 
just all of China. I just decided as like a seven-year-old kid that all of China was being ravaged by killer bees. <laughs> and he was going there and I had like nightmares every single day. And then uh, my grandmother told him to call because I was having nightmares. And he called and he was like, yo, man, what's going on? How's it going? You know, that, that roadie voice, that like voice that only like rock stars have like like life is so casual that their voices acclimated to cool right exactly you know? they've been but they've been awake for uh 72 hours yeah exactly that's really what you're hearing is 72 hour wokeness um but i i was so happy that i was talking to him and that he wasn't killed and eaten by killer bees that uh he made the time to make that call <laughs> break away from being a rock star slash on a come down wow so in so they were big enough that your uncle and your dad were big enough that they're performing all the way in China. Well, I I guess I guess I mean I, you know I, you'd have to ask these guys because they love talking about it and it's just the exact kind of thing that I've heard over and over again but cannot remember for the life of me because the story always changes. Sure. Um, but I know that my, my uncle and my dad by the time that they were in that kind of realm of like making music they were separate right I think uh, shortly after I was born they took off and did their solo thing and uh, I mostly remember my dad as a recording artist um, so I'm not sure if I'm not sure if, I know he has this story about him selling like you know 10,000 CDs out of the trunk of his car in New York City you know and you know making a bit of money and not compromising not letting anybody fuck with his music or change his music I eventually my uncle through my uncle through my pop star uncle he um, was dating a woman and she had a design business and she when I was 13 decided that I should come do some work for her and it was basically doing skeletal redraws of uh, bones and things that doctors draw to put inside of uh, uh, doctors' annuals or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they, you like, know, like medical drawings. Medical, exactly. Um, so I'd redo them, and I was making like you know she'd pay me like you know fifty bucks a day or something like that, and I was like, this is nice. As a person going into high school with no money, I could just sit here and do this thing that I'm obsessed with, and. That was kind of my introduction to graphic design and and graphic arts uh, in general is that you didn't need to just be a painter or just be an illustrator or uh, 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 move into a career that was slightly less certain. So that kind of opened my eyes to something that I could do uh, almost effortlessly um, and was was fun. Um, how did uh, how did SVA Get into your world, and when did you start like really taking it seriously? Oh man, I took that shit seriously from the beginning. Oh really? Oh yeah, totally. Oh, but like mostly with, with because... like current Bashan intensity, just like. Oh yeah, 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 it. hard, hard. Because I had to pay for every single fucking red cent of it, <laughs> so I was, uh, I was definitely, um, uh, you know, hitting the ground hard with that one. Also, because I had left engineering school uh, to go to SVA. Um, uh, after high school, you know, uh, uh, because it was the option was given to me to become an electrician. I, you know, spoke with the, the guy that was, you know, the, it's amazing the, that the, yeah. that was an option. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's wild. 
It's, it, and it's there's also so many. There, there's another path. There's an alternate universe right now. It, there really is. There really is. Sometimes I wonder what it would have been like to walk through there. Right. The saddest thing I can think of is that I would have never met you, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> and now I want to slap you for admitting that. <laughs> That's not getting edited out, by the way. That's staying in forever. And then uh, I'm going to uh, transcribe that clip, and then it's going to be my outgoing message on my phone. Well, it's all true, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, I was like, fuck, I can't be an electrician. Don't want to do that. So why don't I go to uh, engineering school mm-hmm. and be an electrical engineer? Because those are the same exact things. And the guy that was was my electric shop teacher, he had a background in electrical engineering. He had a degree. And uh, he's like, you know these aren't the same things, right? And I said, sir, I don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to attack this with reckless abandon. <laughs> and he was like, you know what? Go for it. I'll, I'll help you in any way I can. So I got accepted into this program called Fast Track. You just you take a test, and uh, it's uh, basically a program that, or at least one that Tuskegee University was doing at the time, to uh, condense the uh, or, or lessen the amount of years that an engineer would be in school for. Uh, I think there was a five-year program I was entering into, and this would reduce it to a four. So mm. cut your high school year in half. Take your ass off to college, right. and you finish in four years. Okay. So um, that was an interesting thing. Spending time in Alabama from Newark, huh. uh, and then I was like, after about a year and a half of being in the South, I was like, I need to get the hell out of here. What was it? so? The, well, this is the information I didn't know that you lived in Alabama for a little bit. What, what mm. were you? What was the biggest cultural? Um, Awakening or um, the biggest differences between Alabama and New Jersey, specifically from Newark. Oh man, the biggest the biggest cultural differences differences that I, um, uh, I guess, uh, experienced was that it, it seemed to me in Newark that you know just because you were big and older. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that you had some kind of authority. Like scale doesn't matter, but down where I was, it was it was like uh, it was quite like barbaric. It was <laughs> in Alabama. <laughs> yeah, it was like oh wow, the biggest guy in the town can also be the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, oh like, so you're uh, saying that it got pushed to another level in yeah, Alabama? Like, wow. Yeah, yeah, it got pushed to a whole another level. No, you know what the, the 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 difference was in Alabama is that I had a sense there that, and I don't know if this is a Northeast thing to just think that people in the South, because they speak a certain way, are are slower than people from the Northeast. Sure. Everyone down there, or the a good majority of people there, have. Uh, have gone to really great high schools, have really uh, stellar education, and I don't know if that's just because that that you know they they. I don't know. I have no fucking clue. I have no idea why, but I assumed that I was going to go down there and be some kind of like you know savant or some like you know to I'd already have all of the information I needed. But right. man, I that was a rude awakening. Is that. <laughs> How together everything was where I was. You know, how many smart, intelligent, beautiful people I met while I was down there. Um, And I guess my perception of it really 
came from film or I, I I had no other relationship with it like even my parents my mom's side they're they're not that country you know and I guess Florida is a different beast but going to Alabama was like kind of a, a beautiful awakening and introduction to the south wow so when uh, what broke you out of there and what made you want to come back up north um I I, I got in a little bit of trouble uh mostly. oh can you talk about it yeah, sure, I can talk about it. Uh, I thought the education was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I got into a couple fights, which when you're studying to that, uh, you know, and, and these kind of cram courses, you don't want to have to look over your shoulder, uh, you know, when you walk into class. So I got in a little bit of that kind of, you know, trouble with some some people from from like I, I just got in a little bit of trouble gotcha gotcha gotcha, gotcha. oh can you, you know? tilt the mic up just a little bit just like come a little yeah. closer there we go yeah does that help perfect yeah um but it did it's one of those things that you know you're in a place and it's telling you to leave and you have to take the message um it's very interesting coming from Nork. I had never received as much <laughs> violent attention oh, as interesting. I did while I was down there. And this isn't just like people chasing. It's like, you know, there were like, I, you know, I got in a car accident. I was in a club where there was like shootings. Oh, uh, in Alabama? You know, yeah, totally. Get out, I got really? jumped. I had some fights and it, huh. it was just sort of wild. And there was always some action happening. Wow. And I was like, this is not at all what I expected. Do you think it's because they get back to Newark? <laughs> like, but do you think it, because in Newark, maybe the ecosystem just made so much sense to you? So you knew how to just navigate it. And then maybe Alabama just you didn't have the same roadmap potentially. Exactly, exactly. And, and I was also coming from a place where, ignorantly, I was like, yeah, Newark is like the only place in the world that has a ghetto. Right. So I was like, ignorant to the fact that there there would be anywhere else. Right. But when you're in a school like this, is like, you know, the first black, um, historically black college. Yeah. Uh, you have all of these these people coming down there for the prestige of the thing. But they're coming from all over the nation, you know, yeah. from Chicago and L.A. and... Um, even from you know areas in the south, obviously, um, as as a local school, but from Texas, Florida, Alabama, Arkansas, um, and you're talking to all of these people that are from places where they're from that are like Nork, and I'm like, it, you know, that part kind of blew my mind a little bit. Um, but it was definitely eye opening. What was the what, what was the experience at SVA, and when what was your uh, what were you focusing on there? Um, I guess you were very, uh, very much in Richard Wiles' program back then. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Old Rich. <laughs> Love that guy. Do you know him? I don't really know him. Richard Wilde. I mean, he has to be like one of the nicest men, gentlest, smartest, coolest guys in the world. He's yeah. All over the place. He loves design. He loves art. He loves uh, uh, teaching. Yeah. And um, loves his students. Right. Um. It was definitely like meeting him was uh, probably one of the highlights in my SVA career, but that you could be in charge and be that sensible, that respectful, that caring. You know, a lot of the teachers I had before him were all like, you know, fairly militant 
guys, and that was the kind of model for masculinity and huh. and overall, you know, male development. But then you meet this guy who's like this, you know, softer, kinder soul, and you're like, yeah, right. and you're still a boss, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like he is. Yeah, he's yeah, he was great. Uh, so can I ask this question? Like when I was at SVA, I felt very different because I was almost too local. Do you know, like, um, and for me being an Asian guy, um, that school, like their, their, um, international population is like 75% Asian. So then it'd be rare to it'd be almost rare to see an Asian person there and have them not be an international person. Then I felt very different because I was just coming from across the bridge, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I felt a little bit like a little bit of an outlier. Like for example, in my, my MFA program, there were about 20 kids, and then half of them were uh, international, and uh, actually almost 10 of them were Asian. Like 50% of them were Asian kids, and I was the only one that were English was my first language. Yeah. You know, did you ever feel different in SVA? Uh, surprisingly, no, because I had just come from a, like I said, a historically black college. Right, and it was about right. 98% black, and while I didn't necessarily connect with like a, a load of kids on, you know, at SVA or feel like I was necessarily a part, felt like I was a part of the ecosystem naturally. Yeah. I did feel like the vibe was similar. Um, you know, even, even being with people just from different backgrounds and walks of life completely. Um, I didn't feel any less at home, um, there. Uh, than I did than I did elsewhere, um, and I don't know if that's just the art vibe sort of superseded this idea that I I wasn't you know necessarily around many minorities. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you the ones that I did see, I kind of latched onto. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's just kind of like an unspoken um, uh, connection. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like you don't realize that they're, you know, that you're not surrounded by, you know, those people, your your people, um, until you see one and you're like, oh, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> Do a little silent nod for a couple weeks, be coy with it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. And then uh, you find like the first, like, you know, <laughs> like opening that makes sense. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Then just break past like the third layer, just skip one yeah. all the way down. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. like, hey, by the way, totally, we're and similar because of this thing. Hey, listener, this is Rich. So normally I don't cut into the interview like this, but there's a whole section of the interview where we had to edit out because of uh, air conditioner noise. So we're just going to cut to another part of the interview uh, where we talked about media. It's one of those things that I like I I was having an argument with somebody the other day and I I think I was saying this not because I actually believe it but because I want to put it out into the world. Yeah. It was that the magazines won't ever go away. Yeah. Books won't ever go away because the tactile nature of reading and processing is just in it's just in us. Right. Um and I I was preaching but in the back of my mind I knew that if we could give up uh, CDs, <laughs> records, <laughs> yes, yes, uh, you know, like, but you need a device to listen to a CD. The CDs 
a means to an end. It's not the end. <laughs> exactly. Right. Right. Exactly. Like you. Like the goal is the music. Yes. Not not the device. Right. Like, um, and uh, I and I think the same thing holds for information, except for that. Right. We value information differently now. Right. I mean, we think that we are getting the whole picture with less characters and less understanding and that yeah. all we actually need is a snippet of the information to get all of it. Right. But I don't know, maybe it's always been like this when you think about the history of information and how it flowed. You have a tier of people that can only spend their time doing what is absolutely necessary for their family. You have a tier of people who consume a decent amount enough to make sure that they are uh, educated enough to vote right. on, on on issues and then you have like people consume it all and they just have all the fucking time in the world to uh, you know information is not only a bountiful but it's uh, a luxury item right. as well you know I uh, everything that you just said made me think about the, the time it takes to consume something as simple as like a book or something as simple as a paper, even a CD. Right. Like a CD on average would be, I guess now, like 40, 50 minutes, right? Yeah. Um, but before, it'd be like, you know, an hour, two hours. But then if you can consume a book for two hours, I think that makes that format pretty, it's going to obviously maintain its longevity because you can still hold it and then cons- it can take up your time for a long amount of time where yeah. you can just be in it. Yeah. Um, even a newspaper, it takes about two hours-ish if you really want to dig in. Yeah. You know? Totally, totally. It it, it takes dedication like anything that right. you, you want to spend time on. And I think the shorter the, our attention spans get, I don't know. Who knows what the fucking outcome of that is going to be? <laughs> Honestly, you know, it's just like, right. a, you know, we'll just have less rocket scientists and, you know. Let's, the less rockets in the world, the better, right? Am I right? Am I right? Well, although, have you seen we have to vote on that damn logo now? The country has to vote on like the um, Space Force. Please don't say the word Space Force. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Have you been seeing it? It's like, what are we voting on? Space Force right well, now? How about we vote on the idea of it first? Right, As opposed right, to right. the fucking logo. And this exactly. is why, this is the thing that sort of kept me out of like... How much of a diversion do you think that is? To How much of a diversion? This is the diversion though that like, th- that uh, designers love though, no? Are we voting on the logo or the idea? I think we're voting on the logo. Okay. They just announced that it's actually happening. I don't right, know. Right. I, I, I'm not that terribly informed on the conversation, but uh, I it's know right. that You're probably as informed as you need to be. Right. And that's the that's also goes back to how how much of this do we absolutely need? Information? You know? Yeah. Do we need a full do we need a full recce on Space Force? I think we need a full recce on Space Force because we're going to be spending a lot of money on it. And you know what? There's still like fucking Flint still has water issues. Yes, you know that's I mean? true. I say no Space Force until every city in America has proper water facilities that are protected that are paid for that should that we shouldn't even be needing to worry about at this point nobody should be worried about water right right base level no base level concern yeah can i say something about space force really quick yeah yeah go for it and its relationship as far as i'm concerned with design is like i haven't been to a lot of these like talks but every time i feel like there is a talk it is 
I'm looking up the logos for you right now. Just to, I want your your quick um, opinion. Grade on them because I will grade them. Yes, I, that's I what I want. Tear about is completely contradicting my next point. Is that all of these these talks are about the 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 art around the thing, right? Instead of the thing itself, and this is one of those things, right? You know, this is one of those things. I want to see like a bunch of pissed off designers <laughs> talking well, about the stuff. The uh, the reasons they're pissed off not ne- necessarily just what the end pretty thing is that they made out of it. You know what I mean? Well, apparently, well, speaking of design on TMZ, D- TMZ dot communication, um, they're saying that the NASA logo designer is bashing Donald Trump's Space Force logos. Oh, yeah. What did bit. he say? Um, hmm, should we should we just talk about TMZ right now? Oh yeah. Um, Ooh, a random student from the LA Art Center put these logos to shame and said they are in a word sophomoric. Actually, we know what. How about uh, let me let me show you what these look like and uh, let's see you grade them. How about that? Cool. Screen grab is a little tiny. An astute critique yes. of Shana Carr, the Space Force executive creative director. Oh okay, yeah, is okay. Looking at these logos with so, a professional eye. So, A, I see uh, you have a round shape that uh, I'd say is probably not anything unorthodox or unexpected about that. Uh, you have a starscape. That's pretty nice. Yes. You have... Um, by the way, I'm pretty sure that this whole round thing, this circle is meant to be the earth yes oh right. oh yeah yeah that uh, makes sense uh-huh in in logo a yeah logo a yeah well we're really nerding out right now but i don't hate this i got yeah i mean i haven't done this in a while like looked at look at looked at things and just sort of critiqued them my buddy derek he used to he used to critique like laundromat logos and, <laughs> like he couldn't like walk past the goddamn store and not say something about the spacing between the letter and i used Der- to oh, be Nike like derek? stop being such a nerd yeah oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah you know who he is <laughs> love that guy i love you man oh he's good this. dude <laughs> um so yeah okay so it has that pretty traditional like space like type right it feels indicative oh uh Feels like uh, related to the NASA. Oh yeah, yes. totally. They've at least taken into consideration what the previous stuff has looked like. Sure. So yeah, it, it doesn't bother me as much, except for that it could be confused with like Japan's space program. Sure. Oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah, I could see that actually. And yeah, yeah, like there's it's red, yellow, white, right, uh, uh, and then with the big red dot in the center and that's obviously it's one of the most beautiful flags in my opinion right because of that minimal quality but when you see a red dot it's like that's you know right that's that exactly um one i 100 agree right and for something so uh nationally uh paid for (laughs) like you you don't critique your your tax dollars right now (laughs) yeah you don't want your first impression to be like, oh, that could be for another country. Yes. What do you think yeah. about B? Uh, B. Let's see. Here, B. Oh, wow. That is exceptionally terrible. <laughs> <laughs> to, to me, this looks like a, a, a trying to be 
you know, 60s, like, uh, art deco-y, kind of almost George Jetson type of vibe. But then the the A in space has a tower aesthetic to it. Like, it's everything, any sort of element of verticality is like, hey, we're we're on a jetpack yeah. upstairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like, it's, it looks like it used to be the Eiffel Tower, and then they decided to straighten it. Like, it was like... <laughs> You know, we only have this one graphic that we can make this out of. Yes. So, yes, uh, let's do this. And then the the fucking um, the flame from the. <laughs> I the oh, I know the flame. It looks like the safety uh, illustration from like when you have like a, a a bottle of kerosene or something. It's like flammable on the back. Right. It's like that. It looks like a lighter. Right. <laughs> like they're sending a lighter into into space. It's very possible that this was also created using icons from like the Noun Project or something. So everything <laughs> here is just some element of stock or uh, prefabricated. Oh yeah, vector asset. Yeah, definitely. This is this one is made up of at least five stock <laughs> illustrations, yeah, exactly. including the ovals. <laughs> I bought that oval. Yeah. That oval cost me uh, two dollars, guys. Oh man. Uh, what do you think about C? C's C's kind of interesting, but in a way that makes it wrong for me. Uh, yeah, C is interesting, mostly because it's a basketball. <laughs> oh, it is! <laughs> it is a basketball. I was thinking more of like, um, like like an atom, or like an electron. When you see those illustrations, yep, yep, yep. Though, but that makes sense. Yeah. It is a basketball. There's something that gives me the uh, when I see an illustration of an atom, the impression that those rings are moving. Yes. So, and I think that this at this shows me why because they aren't um, exact uh, exactly equidistant. Oh, other, interesting. Know? Oh, so you're saying that the uh, these rings independent of whatever this logo is you saying the rings themselves feel like they're moving or these rings feel like they're interlocked they feel like they're interlocked it feels more like a gate yes than it does a uh, uh, uh traveling around right space. it feels prohibitive yeah exactly and I, they just did it because it was symmetrical to get the ship in the center and have it not be right off wouldn't you if you were to try to fix this because i think that we've actually hit one where there's like a fixable aspect to it Uh like if you split space force apart and made it pure typographic and then you and then you shrunk down whatever that uh atom or planetary illustration is and they had that just be an icon that was supporting the type Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean yep Yep. like I, i feel like that could that could break open a usable concept and also make it more of like a system. Right. It feels like every all of these are trying, they're trying so hard to be logos. Exactly. They really want to be a part of the graphic design universe. Right, they you do. Know, they don't want to just be what the thing is. Right. Which is what I was going to get to as soon as you brought up the idea of improvement. Right. Is, and, and then going all the way back to our conversation about how much you need to consume to really yes. have yes. a voice in the thing. Yes. Skin in the game intellectual skin in the game yes as uh i'm listening to say my ears are perked my ears are perked i would reduce it down to just the type bro yeah absolutely i would do that's that's the no-brainer right yeah why would you want to distract from a name like space force i know fucking piece of shit the word force is in your (laughs) name like why are you putting something in front of it that that stops you from reading it yeah I would be like, this is a force. Okay, okay. Let's put our <laughs> Mike Pence. Like, this is the scary thing we're gonna do. Let's put our Mike Pence hats on. Ooh, right. Where where you're talking to Mike Pence and you're just like, hey, Mister Pence, 
Um, here we have our logo designer here. He wants to pitch you some stuff. And then uh, you're the designer. How are you pitching Mike Pence these logos? Well, uh, sir, uh, Mr. Pence, as you can see, uh, this logo has a cross right at the center of it. And mm, yes, um, yes. Believe me, that is 100% intentional. We want uh, to make sure that God is a part of Space Force because everybody knows that God is in space. Uh, like Pence is whispering, this guy's really good. This yeah. designer is really, really good. Continue, <laughs> and, uh, continue young man. <laughs> At this point, I know he's enjoying it. He's loving it. I mentioned God twice. Um, Do you think they printed a bunch of patches for these and then had them presented as patches? Because these look so much like they want to be on a on a suit. They really do. Yeah, exactly. That's the problem with this is that they've only borrowed from the past. Yeah. It's like just like he and and I know that's ridiculous to say because everything is borrowed from the past. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Nothing you can think of is not relative to something that happened. At least 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. But these are borrowing from a specific era of, of, uh, sp- the, uh, of, of space technology right. becoming uh, a large part of our, our culture. Is that, that sort of Jetson look is not, not a mistake. Is things from that era looked that way. That sort yes. of uh, postmodern, like futuristic. Right. Uh, look you know like and, rounded and, angles yeah. yeah instead of trying R- to figure out what we look like now right um do you, do you think that um do you think that the whatever they were trying to accomplish here should be more military too because this, this is like a, a, a military or a defensive endeavor is it not yeah yeah i mean the, i think then they would have to explain themselves a little bit more if they yeah. put any more detail in regards to that because right now it's just flights taking off you know um like, i like they, to i like for do? this to show everything that it's that it's not doing like it's to say what its absolute goal is are are you going to you know fly to another planet instead of look for like you know bacteria are you going to be like taking guns up there and like shooting any right. life down that tries right. to uh, explain to you how they were there first. Yeah. Um, uh, what are you going to do? You're going to offer them like casinos or something. What are you, what are you going to offer? What's what's Space Force's objective? You know what I mean? Yeah. Are you going to like spread diseases until the whole population of people there or persons there or beings there just die off? Right. You know what's going to happen? What is going to happen? What do you think? Like, let's say like that this were to actually um, exist and that like, you know, all all uh, all points are go. Right. Um, and then we did hit the alien scenario where we were hit with first contact. Would we would we just totally fuck that up? Now, I'd say you think so? Probably. Yeah. You think in the Obama years, we would have actually like we would have been OK with a first contact situation? Oh yeah, you think 100%, so? One hundred percent. Really? You didn't, you didn't think humans would be ugly, like just because humans are ugly by nature? But I guess there's always that danger. Oh yeah, yeah. There, there is always that danger. But humans are beautiful too. They are beautiful. Yeah. Oh my! Was I being? Uh, was I being? Um, pessimistic? Very negative. Very Weren't you the, the one the other day when we first talked about this? Like, yeah, I'm going to take a dark. <laughs> I'm going to go dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th- I, th- I think I reached my base, <laughs> my base of darkness. 
Not really. We haven't reached it yet. I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's true. Um, um, okay. I, I think about that way more than I should. Like what, the base idea, of the I, no, the idea of uh, a first contact um, and how we would take it versus how we might have right. handled it in the past. Um, I just can't see this numbskull saying the right thing or doing the right thing or doing the right thing and being believed yeah. by another life form um, who only has instinct. You know, when you speak to someone who doesn't speak your language, but you yeah. know, you catch the vibe and you're good. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah, okay. This person's cool. Right. You yeah. Know? There's uh, an energy exchange. Exactly. That's all we have to base, base this idea off of him making first contact right. and being the representative of a whole species. Right. You know? Yeah. It's so, terrifying. Like the, <laughs> that is terrifying. Like the idea that the first contact would have to be a curated choice of how you present yourself. Isn't like, it, like in close encounters, like, like even if you're not thinking about space, yes. Uh, alien life forms, you're like, first introduction what I want to I mean or maybe that was the mistake we made with George Bush is that he went on that idea of like first encounter I like this guy right 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 well first encounter as a as a citizen encountering George Bush as a human being yeah like as a as a voter you know I mean you know well he was a buffoon first exactly which is totally likable it is likable you know well Obama was was a charisma god and he was charisma. Yeah, he was all charisma, wasn't he? Right. He was charisma where he didn't, he was a value add into any situation he was in. Um, like, even when he appeared on SNL, it was like, you were amazed to have gotten Obama. But then with George Bush, when they did skits about him, they were uplifting his image. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They were making him more likable somehow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, Will Ferrell doing George Bush is kind of a. He's kind of fucked it's us up a little bit. Nostalgic, yeah. <laughs> like, oh man, so cool. He's so cute. Do you do you think that Will Ferrell thinks about that? How he warmed us up to George Bush without, you know, or or do you think from an entertainer's perspective that uh, that's just part of your your contribution to the cultural psyche? I think if you're thinking that deeply about what you're about to do, oh, you maybe won't you're do in anything. the wrong business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I think that. Uh, designers fall prey to this. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> More than anyone, probably. Uh, you know, it's just like this stuff that we do is like a, a privilege to be able to have the, uh, you know, the ability to to do to explore. All right. So taking it back to that, actually, and taking it back to SVA, because um, I do want to go back into this. Um, I'm amazed at what you do because a to be completely transparent, I tell you this all the time, I learned so much from you working with you. Oh man. No, really, really. And this is one of the reasons why I love you is that I think you taught me um, um, or enhanced my, uh, my my work ethic and also showed me things that I hadn't quite seen before in terms of um, how to tell stories and also how to um, work with a, a create course correction and also <laughs> uh, quality control. And, and things like that um, Thanks, man. within the creative universe. And uh, just where'd you land after SVA when after SVA? Thanks. Well, yeah. first let me acknowledge you for a second. Like you are one of the most talented people I know. Oh. And uh, it was a privilege to work with you while I did. And I had no idea that I taught you that much. 
uh, or showed you that much because I didn't know I knew that much. <laughs> oh, well, dude, well th- th- there were so many, remember there were so many times when I would essentially just like try to trick you into into making something in your office and we just chat your office like two hours. I'd just be watching you work in Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> but also because I was just like, you, the way you'd work, it, it was, it would show me certain things. Um, it was like watching you play the piano or something or watching someone play drums where it you i learned so much by just absorbing that that i that um it opened up the doors and it was it was fascinating every single time really every single time wow thanks, yeah. man. i remember one time that you were building um well two things two things one was a, a comp this very nerdy designer talk but you were building a comp for a show they were pitching at the time, mm. um, a show about um, an ageist young boy. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's all I'll say. And um, you you built a comp that where the reference was um, a, a a Man of Steel poster, and um, you did it out of like uh, cell phone pics. And I saw you doing it, and I was like, wow, this is crazy. And then it looked good. I was like, holy shit. Where you were you were pulling fabric out of like the air? Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. I remember that one. That is uh, because there was an illustration that was has been stuck in my mind forever about a guy taking off. Yes, and I just always wanted to copy that. Yeah. Oh, really? And, That's yeah, so funny. Totally. And That's I just, so funny. I was just trying to copy that thing. But as far as the cell phone the thing, like I've uh, design versus understanding what people want and what they'll give you for it yes has has i think been the most valuable lesson uh up until this point now which is designing what they want what the public wants or whoever's paying you to give you what they are paying you to give them yes uh is sometimes fight yes Um, that is a fight constant struggle and and because we've moved to a bit of a space where nobody wants anything uh, quote unquote original. Sure. Um, you find ways to, to get to what you're trying to say faster as opposed to right. M- making something that feels completely and wholly original or right. of your own, of your own making. Sure. Somebody wants something like something else. But don't you think though that your filter, your personal filter is original enough that by your, by your willingness to tackle the challenge um, and be you being who you are, the, your originality from a personal level allows the output to be original? I guess. Do you know? I guess. My, my personal filter is to understand honestly what this story is about and why it makes right. sense for today. Right. Which I guess in some way brings an original look to something but borrowed from something else yes so it's a little bit uh you know t- kind of catacorner in a way it's like right while this while this look or feeling or thing might not be relative to this subject matter yeah. all of a sudden now it makes sense like the other thing i saw you build that i thought was like amazing to watch you do was uh this other comp for a same show about this ages boy <laughs> it was a it was uh close-up shot or silhouette of an of a man and then there were all these fantastical elements coming out of his bowler hat oh and it was very specific sounds cool yeah it was cool <laughs> uh it was cool it's probably sitting on a drive somewhere and uh, i remember there were a couple of attempts within the studio to make something 
um, make something work. And it wasn't. It was maybe at a hitting a sixty percent. It wasn't quite elevating. Mm. Well, they saw you sit for three hours one day where you just like kept adding and adding and adding. It was a complete like maximalist exercise mm-hmm. in what it could be, but because the way it was composed was so so minimal in its composition at the same time with the maximalist maximal within the tight um compositional space you could operate in. Right. And I was just like Whoa! Th- like this guy's making a whole like planet in this guy's oh, hat. God, yes. Yeah. So that was from my time working at Spaco. That's right. That's what I wanted to do, and I, th- I and I'm not sure if I was just like moving on from challenge to challenge, which is why I never got to this place that I wanted to be. But back then, I remember saying to myself at one point, I was like, I want to be able to visualize anything. Yes. Like I want to be able to make any world as complex or as smooth as I can imagine it. Whatever comes into my right. head, I want to be able to make that thing. Right. And I think that the desire to like cram a bunch of stuff in a small space to see like where it makes sense to cut yeah. has been just a part of building on that desire. Oh, wow. That's yeah. interesting. Like the pylon. Yeah. How'd you get the spot co? Because I oh thought Spot Co to me was always so legendary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it really was. You know, it was so funny. I, I didn't realize its legendary status until I got uh, an interview um, there when I was a sophomore. I was um, walking around the city uh, in my, on my, my free time, uh, just putting my resume under every single place that looked like a design shop. So I'd walk into buildings. I see, you know, look at that little list with the with the white letters you know see what floor number there is and then go up to that floor and slide my resume under a door um and i think i i did that with at spotco and and they could have only known that it was a designer's resume because it was hideously overdone (laughs) like so many boxes and squares and like right too too obviously considered like color, color patterns, like it could have just been black on white paper. Right, right, right. Just so the, like, but no. too overly considered yeah, exactly. resume. Yeah, there was like but you've done whole, nothing, nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, was, like Banana Republic was on. <laughs> I was on the resume. There's a three month stint of you just wiping your ass. <laughs> exactly. That's a that's a skill. Exactly. <laughs> Got an award for that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Took home some hardware for that really sick ass wipe. <laughs> Oh my god! It really is ridiculous how much you have to lie to get ahead. That's so true. That's so true. My first, my first resume I put down creative director of a small shop. <laughs> so I started creative director, then went down to designer. When By I actually started shop, getting money, I mean, when I was six years old, I used to make forts with my friend Johnny. That was a creative director of that fort. Those blankets uh, came from the top shelf of my mom's closet. <laughs> Oh yeah, so I got a you know call back. Uh, so you know somebody wanted to see it, and it was somebody from Spaco, a guy named Gary Montalvo, and uh, he was he was great because I could see in his eyes that he was looking at what he thought was maybe the shittest portfolio he had ever seen. It was in one of those big plastic things with the sil- with this you know. Oh, visible yeah. sleeves, you know, the stuff that you keep for like record keeping, yes. not for what you want to show off your, you know, design skill. Right. In. And, uh, 
Yeah. So he was, you know, he got, he went through the whole thing and was like, hey, what did you, what year did you say you were in? And it was like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a sophomore. He was like, but it's summertime, so you're going to be a sophomore. And he's like, I was like, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that what, is, what does that mean? I mean, I mean... And he was like, well, because this is actually, a, this is for uh, juniors and, and higher, um, uh, this 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 internship. Oh, so and I was like, theoretically, oh. oh, you were a couple years too early. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, cool. And he was like, but you know what, while you're here, let me give you some pointers on your portfolio. Uh, you need to work on some branding work. Mm-hmm. You need some poster work that's ex- explore, explorative, not just what you did for some gigs like right. recently. Um, so I did that. He also talked about like music um, and having more music, music work in there um, because junior year would ultimately give me all of those things. Um, or actually, so my, my career through sophomore year would give me all of those things. Uh, I end up having a better portfolio just by nature of the problems that they were that, that I was solving during that right that time or the projects that I was getting were really good right um, and then I saw Gary summer uh, the following summer yeah um, just having dinner in the West Village oh and he was like hey I remember you and I was like hey what's up man how's it going um, huh. and he was like come in for another interview and then I did and then I got the internship and wow. that was that was that was that. And it's I, so funny how yeah. how the world actually works that way, and and most things, or not most, but like a lot of things happen just by chance and following up. Right. Yeah. Totally. Or just like I mean, just being in the city. Yeah. You know, and bouncing around, not not leaving this place was like my main focus, and I think that that was one of the one of the rewards right. that I got for sticking around. What was uh What was some of your favorite projects while you were? Oh uh, man, you know some of the some of the projects are just based on how well it went with, <laughs> you know that you didn't do like you know if you if you reach like the hundred comp status and somebody picks something yes. like that's good. <laughs> it's like the two fifty and five like mark you like okay I can't do anymore I can't yeah. I don't I maybe I'll be a lawyer or something right. <laughs> yeah 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 go for be sure be a dentist or anything but this. No more. What were, the, what were the biggest challenges then? Um, what were some of the backbreakers? Oh man! I'm sure, there are a lot. All of the backbreakers. Backbreakers. I know for a show called uh, "Dirty Rotten Scoundrels." Hmm. Um, oh, like the oh, based on the film. Yeah, there were a lot. There were a lot of comps for that, um, and it's it, you know it's. It doesn't get more interesting than like having to do more and more and more and more. Um, except for I do know that there was one at one point, one of the writers that I was working with during that time uh, uh, <laughs> walked into a conference room and got a Coca-Cola can thrown at her head. <laughs> what? Yeah. It bounced off her head and they like you know you know this this is the kind of shit that you you want to hear after like you know working like your ass off for a couple months and weeks on a thing that is not for you that you're getting paid okay for right um for you to walk in and be like your creative sucks so bad i'm gonna throw this fucking can at your head if you don't bring me something better wow that's intense yeah 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 yeah. it's Mm. wild that happened but i don't know 
I it's I wonder about the the hard ones because the hard ones are where you really make your like anything you know if you, you got to exercise until it hurts otherwise you're really yeah. not doing very much yeah that's true um otherwise you know your your muscles get weak yeah 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 and it's and it's rare that like because of all of that beat down that a project comes along and you you know exactly what it should be yeah. and then you make that thing and then everybody is like yes that is exactly what it should be right and then you're like yes <laughs> and then you move on to another project <laughs> where they, they're like killing you again <laughs> It's like, I feel like every five years you get one of those things that are just like, yeah. yes, the first thing I sketched and created was the thing that they chose yeah. and it was right and it's still right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still right. It yeah. just maintained it. Yeah. The one thing that I can think of that I did that was like that is a poster called, uh, for a play called Gem of the Ocean. And that's yes. the Oh, because the poster is kind of legendary. It's kind of a famous poster-ish. In, enough that it's in the textbook. Oh yeah, it's yeah. in yeah it's in um, mm-hmm. Graphic Design Solutions by yeah. Robin Landa. Shout oh, out to Robin. Look at that. And one Gail Anderson. Um, oh yeah, that's yeah, my girl. Yeah, exactly. Your homegirl Gail. Uh, uh, bigged you up in the textbook. Oh yeah. While we're throwing out some real erudite shit, talking about textbooks right now, <laughs> dude. They won't go away ever. No, they won't. No one's getting rid of. I mean, you Fuck can't no. scroll through that much. No, you can't. No, you can't. You ever scroll and just get fucking dizzy? Yeah. Like yeah, totally. You just have to throw up. And also, it's poop time. Um, a book. There's something about a textbook that makes you know, like, hey, you're in school, asshole. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's gonna be part of this where you are physically learning and you have to pay attention. Yeah, you and touch same- this page, you fold this corner, motherfucker, because you're gonna need to come back to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, so no, a gem of the ocean because I, I this poster is a beautiful poster. Oh yeah, yeah. That was that was really fun because that was one of those pieces that just sketched, showed to Gail. Yeah, we showed to to the client right. client loved it and then it was made and then it was just up right right and that's right that's the last time I can remember ah, well uh, there was a streetcar named Desire that was the last time uh, that's like, that's that's so painful <laughs> that it just happened that clean right 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 <laughs> you know that that would have been way too long ago for that to only happen then I'm sure there have been more but right. I think that, that the alternating condensed type 2 for Gem of the Ocean yeah it wasn't even like a real true uh, logo lockup it was like really based on the illustration oh yeah, yeah totally. it was great. like whatever the illustration would allow for the type to do right <laughs> right right Gail, like, it was the inverse of like, what what's typically the system oh yeah oh yeah totally <clears throat> she was like you better make space for that type boy <laughs> and I was like okay okay <laughs> I promise it'll fit <laughs> it's, oh it's so funny um yeah well, what was the one after that you were saying Oh, I was gonna say uh, probably streetcar named Desire. Oh, got uh, it. Which was like a what really was that one? What did that one look like? That one was just like a, a black woman silhouette with a red background, gotcha. um, dressed like a like a Southern belle. You know. Got it. Oh, I think uh, I've seen those comps too. Actually, yeah, that, yeah, that was that was one that went smooth as well. Wow, but they rarely are. They they so rarely are. It's incredible that, like, I, I used to think, like, uh, in school when the designers would come in and talk about their projects. Yes. Like, why are you talking about this project? You know? Yeah. Like, it seems, like, so simple. If you just drew this thing and then people chose it, why is that noteworthy? <laughs> like, <Whoa. Uh-oh. laughs> you just did a job 
you know, that yeah. you were assigned to do. Yeah. You executed it. And but this is you as a student saying yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But then now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't see I was all like, the pain. Well, I was such, a, I guess in that way, I was maybe a little bit of a dick, but uh, I I so worship the idea that those people were there giving me all of that because they had made it through so much, but made it sound so, so easy. So, yeah. Um, not that they didn't go through their trials, but because they mapped it out beautifully, right, and told you the story one piece by by the next, it it just seemed like such a methodical thing that they had, you know, it, it executed with like, you know, slight slight bump in the road, sure. But this thing came to fruition, and and, sure. they, and they were able to make it real, sure. So now when I think the moles. of, oh my God, yeah, yeah, because why would you want to live through that in, fr- in front of like a bunch of eager, <laughs> you <laughs> start shaking on the ground, <laughs> yeah, exactly, right, <laughs> and cry. You want to know what this was like? <laughs> Real. <laughs> like you open up a file and just see like a billion layers, <laughs> and just like everything's locked. Just like, damn, I can't even, can't even navigate this shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that that would be the end. That'd be the end of graphic design. Is just. <laughs> going through the file with some <laughs> aspiring designers <laughs> that's actually a pretty good class that's actually yeah. a pretty good survey class where you just where students actually just literally look at the working file yeah yeah like navigate it yeah there'll be a lock the door policy yes yeah like there's a lock-in and if you don't survive the class then you can't be one right can't take any photos yeah can't talk about it afterwards but oh. you'll show them the process oh yeah Lock the that'd be that'd be lock. a dope class idea. It'd yep. be called Lock the Door. Yeah. Oh my God, this is how are we not teaching this class at, I at know. SVA right now? I know. You know. You know. This should be like a this should be like a Dick Cheney art school <laughs> initiative. Like he'd be like, you know what? I love this idea. This is a great idea. Yeah, we should definitely we should talk to Richard about this. We should. Yeah. Yes, I don't know Richard. You'd have to talk to him. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think we have to leave the locked door aspect out of it just to get the oh, class. Oh, to make it then, feel safe. Yeah, and then when we get the class, we'll tell the students what it's really about. Yeah, I was thinking they'll lock the door for the uh, for the cell, like when you go through like the catalog, and then some of them have like really snarky names. Oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then, yeah, then some yeah, of them yeah, are like, yeah. or or the ad classes would have like a really yeah. snarky name. Like, yeah, like really like, cool. Long copy name is stupid. <laughs> or, or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like print is dead. Yeah, for, except for in this class. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's let's like do it. Let's try to make want to see the world curve. Yeah, one o two. Because there is, while this is like a kind of one of those privileged careers, it um, it, it you do get a lot of people coming into it thinking that they're not going to sweat. Yeah, that's true. Or not like going to actually no, get their hands dirty. Yeah. You know, like you know, I don't know. I don't know if you had this experience with like hiring. Yeah. Um, uh, but when you start to look at these books or get people in, and they're they're used to doing something that they think is the answer. Yes. And that's what you're gonna get. Is like a ninety percent of this job is being able to, uh, reacclimate and uh, readjust. Right. The pivot. Yeah. 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 I th- I think to your point, it's so true. Like you'll see so many books where. You can tell that an individual is, they craft really well, mm. um, but they're not necessarily solving a problem or um, they're not walking in with the predetermined acceptance that something that they'll 
gave is probably wrong. It's going to be wrong for at least most of the journey, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, it's about finding the right answer right. at some point in the future. Totally. Yeah, about and, being receptive to it. And, and in my experience, it's been largely collaborative, you right. know, where it's like where you're playing all, all the roles. Right. Um, and the biggest role is, is the listening part. Yeah. How much of a psychology game... Well, how long did it take for you to get your psychology game on point for what you do? Uh, it, it took a it took a long time, um, but I think probably you know Gail Anderson, besides the uh, aesthetic uh, values that she kind of passed down. Uh, it was it was a large part like you know she didn't she didn't care that it was it was just beautiful right. you know she wanted you to know why you were going to go into a conference room and talk to a bunch of people about a thing right um so you know understanding pop culture and yeah. culture at large like if you're in the entertainment field it was like i was like come on lady like you don't want me to do all of this work and then also know everything there is to know about what's going on in the world right now right like, i just need to be a graphic designer so i can get this thing done and then she's like oh nah bro yeah <laughs> no. yeah yeah you need to know why Sammy Davis Jr. is the baddest motherfucker on earth. You need to know why, like, you know, you 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 have to know, you know, Louis Prima and Bob Marley, like the 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 deeper levels of their story and you know that fame isn't just fame. You know, these people have stories that you need to connect to and understand why it makes sense for them to be reestablished in in this kind of in this kind of way. Why right. is culture celebrating this person again? Yes. You know, is oh, something that's interesting. That I think, Why is culture celebrating this person again? Yeah. Yeah, that was something big for her and I didn't get it for a long time, but it took it took for me it took me a while to get that and I think that when I finally got that, it actually opened up a lot of ideas about what it means to tell a story again. Yeah. Is. Yeah. What do you think about the cycle of culture? Because I think, um, I think obviously everything that's happening right now, where we're you know we're we're getting much more nostalgic for the immediate past. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the so if the cycle, I guess from a revisit um, would happen like once every ten to twenty years, and now we're going back as as early as like five to six years, sometimes yeah. even sooner. Like what 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 is that? Do you feel like that's that's where we're going are we just in the infinite race to uh, we're making smaller smaller moves to the finish line that we just will never see uh i think it has to do with the speed at which information travels in our generation right you know like of course if information exchange was slower there would have been less yeah to reestablish or go back to and look at um, do you think we're getting to an everything culture where it's not even a, where we this idea of nostalgia isn't even about that? Because right now you could probably look at all these niches and say that that is currently 2018. Right. And then if you were to look at the this uh, time lens in a few years from now, you could pluck from any one of those moments and say like, oh, this was also happening. This is happening now. This is happening there. It's happening here. Yeah. You know, are, are we just going to um, 
will we stop looking back so much and everything will just exist all at one time? No, I think we'll always look back. I think we'll always look back because you can't, someone was telling, we were talking, I was talking about this to someone. I had two separate conversations this week about style and, uh, Stars, famous people from our generation that will never exist again. Oh, I would love to know. And one conversation was how the 80s was the last era of style because you can go back through every decade and sort of pinpoint exactly what that decade looked like. But around the 90s, mid-90s, there just sort of didn't seem to be an an identifiable um, look that everyone kind of gravitated toward. You can even break up the 90s in its own zones. Yeah, exactly. Which means there's just too many. There's too like, many. To, to really call back a single uh, look. Right. But, so that was one idea. Um, and then there was, and then the other conversation was the, that <laughs> will there ever be another Michael Jackson? And there was a definitive no on the other side of that. And I said that you can't look at the the repeat of a certain level of fame in a single genre of yes. industry at all like right. yeah in music probably not right but in cybersecurity maybe there will be a michael yeah, jackson yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> you know right um but that's j- just just going going to your There'll just be another apex of something else. Yeah. And then and then you'll never have another apex of that thing. Right. Exactly. And that's why I, th- I think we'll we'll always have to go back. Right. Because <clears throat> if, especially if there isn't that thing anymore. It's like I, I still have friends that listen to jazz and people have been saying jazz is dead for years. Right. You know? Um, and I think that, you know, that's, that's so, some stuff will stay. You know, like Bob Marley stays. Yes. The Beatles stay. Right. Like these. But then will it be part of nostalgia is what I'm saying. Like if Bob Marley and the Beatles, if they're immortal, which I agree with, but then we don't think of um, the Victorian era as nostalgia. We just look at it as a style. It has to be. It has to be. You can't you can't have nostalgia if you haven't experienced it in some way. And I think that even if you take on this idea of like generations of uh, families like passing down information, like yeah, yes, sure, maybe you could take it take it a little further back than your immediate experience. But right, nostalgia. How can you how can you really or or even a, a time that you can a time that you can visualize and and feel like you're sort of a part of maybe like a a, a drink or a walk uh, or a, a walk through an old building yeah. or something you can physically imagine yourself how time was you know uh, based on that experience but unless you have those touch points yeah. how can you really have full nostalgia for it so what i'm saying is basically if your experience of the victorian era is only through a single touch point um how can you be expected to have a nostalgic point of it point of view from it you know or point of view of it how much of that do you think plays into what you currently do nostalgia and the the reimagining of uh, existing concepts um well right now you're at a very elevated level 
mm-hmm. at AKA, um, and uh, where we shared a great experience together. Mm-hmm. Right. So, how, how much of that do you think works into your into your day to day? Nostalgia is is huge because it's uh, it's the emotional touch point that uh, is, I think, probably the most natural uh, selling point. Yeah, you know, people have fond fond memories of a of a, of a time when. Right. Um, but also, even a story that they read. When I was saying, like the idea that these, you know, it, it, you have to understand why a person, an artist, uh, is being like celebrated again. Um, it factors into that idea, right? Uh, that people used to think of this character now, and now that all of these things are happening in the world, this reminds them of a period of when they were comfortable or. Um, when they when they first started listening to music, I know you know for Broadway a lot of these right. stories have been told before. Right, um, right. People want to revisit them. They want to go back to them. It's like you know a favorite book that you've read. I mean, for right. us, it would probably be you know like a Wu Tang album or something. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> when you when you hear it after not hearing it, but then you hear something bumping in somebody's car as, as it's rolling by. You're like, oh shit! Yeah, you're like, oh yes. that thing. Yes, and then you know. Uh, at some point, we will have to go into the theater because that's the only place that it, you'll you'll be hearing it bumped. You know? Yeah, that's true. That's or, true. You know, or something like that. Some some iteration of it. Um, what's the what's the most surprising thing that uh, you've seen or you've worked on where uh, you were amazed that it caught fire? Ooh, caught fire. Yeah, where you're like, wow, people really love this. People responded to this. Like, I I I took it. Uh, I I mistook its uh its viralness. Uh, well, you know what's interesting is like, for for some things you have to take into the whole pie. Yeah. Right. Like, we did this these commercials for uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Yep. And you know that's a that's a that's another one of those stories that gets retold. Um. And it's already going to have a certain amount of built-in people who are looking for this kind of thing. Right. But uh, isn't the isn't the the beginning of the OG movie with Gene Wilder just the saddest thing? Like this kid is living in the saddest house, sleeping in the same bed with like a billion people. Yeah, I'm like, this yeah. is kind of dark. It is dark, but what you know, it's so crazy about it too. Is just like you're now if you were to do that. people would be like you're making fun of a poor person's situation yeah exactly uh, because you're turning it into a caricature of what being poor is like you know right Um, right. or promoting this idea that something by chance is going to lift you out of your uh, poverty right right oh oh that's interesting do you think Uh, that's irresponsible no hell no 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 No, no, that's the that's that's not irresponsible that's more of a that's a it's a story that actually happens on occasion. It's just, I, I think it's just weird for where people find find arguments, but, you know, uh, uh, any source of inspiration is supposed to help you see something you can't see. Right. Right? So, the idea that you would show a picture, uh, 
of a poor person by chance getting out of their situation. Right. That is, that's like the, like encourages faith, you know, it cur- yeah. encourages like enthusiasm that the situation is going to change. That's it's hope. True. It's basically the invention of hope. That's true. No, that's right? a good point. So that's, that's to me what that is. It's not, and that's why, and see, this is what I'm talking about is understanding culturally why stories need to be told again is there comes another moment where you need this kind of hope. Yeah. And then that is why these stories are told again. What stories do you think are being told right now that that a lot of people are gravitating towards? I mean, there's definitely stories of hope. There's also, you know, the like there's stories of a type of escape, but I feel like right now people there is an appetite for for realness and for people to actually be uh, mindful of what's occurring in the world. So uh yeah, it's it's interesting. I think that there's a lot of like, uh, uh, like surrealism in 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 cinema specifically. I think um, I think we've gotten to a point where we want to like hide our messaging a little more. Oh, strategically. What, what do you mean by that? Uh, I I can only think that the you know that films like uh like sorry to bother you and the object of flyness that it just like uh opened up on hbo like these kinds of uh messages told 20 years ago 15 years ago did you like that i loved it oh really loved it i loved it so much because i was thinking this is this is the kind of film that like uh black cinema is either not allowed to do or not accepted or not uh, promoting these kinds of creative minds. Right. You know, this feels like a black dude that went to art school. I, I don't know what the story is right. from, you know what I mean? It just, yeah. it just feels like it's come from the mind of an artist as opposed to a mind of, of someone who's been brutalized by these concepts of right. what holds you down. You know, well, in, in a world where there's sorry to bother and also Black Klansmen, and, yeah. and also even Get Out and and Atlanta, um, where um, yeah. there are concepts of surrealism and um, and uh, and and that's a bigger hook than um, than a than a mutual shared history or something. You know, like well, like is is that a maturity for Black cinema? Are you seeing that right now? Oh, one hundred, one hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I just what is that irony? Is that is that also the the inclusion of irony now? You know, uh, well, I think it's the inclusion of a multitude of ideas as opposed to a singular idea. You know, where while to to be black and be on screen is is already information that we've uh, had plowed into our psyche. Right. Um, there are all of these other things that that we feel and, and explore. And, um, I think that the larger collective consciousness of America doesn't think that's a thing. Yes. Doesn't think that black people don't think about things other than survival. You know what I mean? Like, or than their situation. Um, It's yeah, it's it's a it's a strange thing, but it because in some ways the, those things still do very much address all of those issues, right? But there's such uh, an emotional nuance that 
comes that that is is more of a unifying factor you right. know than a than a than a separating one than a one than than a feeling that yeah only black people feel like this is actually i think they're all saying no all of you motherfuckers felt this right every one of you who's like there's ever a universalness had to, to this with, story exactly yes exactly and if you can just look past the idea of of it just being about a, a racial thing like you'll you'll see all of the humanity that connects all of us to everyone as opposed to another way to divide and i and i've talked to some of my white friends about this and they're just you know some people are like you know uh, uh on different fucking spectrums of the you know nfl players kneeling you know um they're all excited by this by this too you know right. which is which is a strange strange thing to to think about why do you why do you think that progressive people um we get lazy do we not like in in the sense that um if your if your mindset is of of you know young progressive you want to do like blah 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 but then physically you don't they don't vote the numbers don't come out um in order to you know justify what seems to be a vocal desire yeah and and why why are we so fucking lazy sometimes I think uh, I think I, I wonder if it's laziness versus uh, we're star fuckers, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Like if every single time you need something, you need a Barack Obama. Like you are just you're just a star fucker, you know. And you, I guess I guess you care a little bit about what's going on, but how much do you really care? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't think that it's I don't think that it's laziness because that would be. I, it, it wouldn't be broad enough, you know. Individuals are lazy. People who are being pushed down aren't lazy. So, it, you know, yeah, what I mean. And then the, the other, the other part of that is uh, this. This is the side that has the you know working moms that have to work during the time that we decide to keep our voting booths open. Right. You know. You're right. Like, you this is the side that can't miss work uh and and on, and on the negative side as, as well like we we still are the side that won't uh, uh, we won't vote vote together right you know we're all over the place splintered yeah yeah and those guys even if it's for a pedophile they'll vote for that asshole right that's true ah oh. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it got dark. It got real dark. See? <laughs> the, the promise, the original promise of this recording session. We got there. Oh, man. All right, so... This is why I love that show, like uh, Sasha's Sasha Baron Cohen's show, which is oh, just brilliant. Who is America? That's dope. Uh, because he just gets people to do things that make you ask, how How'd you do the that? world? How did you... How did you make this happen? Yeah. Like I'm so, uh, obviously the piece is interesting, but how you got those people to go on your show and do that right? in this day and age, like where we're supposed to have this kind of information to make informed decisions about our next moves. Right. And it clearly, it, it, clearly these aren't people who don't have staff to do that, you know? It's pretty impressive. Do you think so. that um, if you're a producer and you're a producer uh, working in whatever, what, what do you think the experience is 
when you're walking into a Sasha Baron Cohen uh, production because you like how do you even not know who he is how are you so gullible that you don't know who he is and how do you get people to to sign the waiver I don't understand unless he just yeah. works with the same people all the time it's it's, it's crazy like how, yeah like he is like can you be can you be legally impersonating someone else while you're interviewing a politician like that seems like it yeah that seems like something that that's like Mission Impossible shit. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the new one? Like Wolf Blitzer. <laughs> like he has a cameo in the beginning where, but then uh, he like rips a mask off and it's, um, it's dude from Hot Fuzz, whatever his name is. <laughs> Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg, yes. <laughs> oh man. I, I mean, I don't even, it, it's just wild. I don't know. The first thing I'm thinking as a producer though is I really hope he lives through this interview. Right, because he's interviewing some people, and I'm, I'm, I wonder, I don't know where he is, where he, where he's doing it, but I'm sure he's going to these states, yeah, and actually, uh, making these interview happen. But I don't want to give anything away. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, what do you think? What do you think drives a guy like him to um, to expose the thing he wants to expose? Because he's pushing for truth. He's pushing for a type of truth every time he does something. Right. You know, like what what is do you think that's justice? Do you think that's him just wanting to push his personal edge, push your edge, push my edge? What? What is he asking of us? It's 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 hard to determine Sasha's motivation, um, because he's so good. Yeah. Um, you know he's he's like a you know was I think he went to like Cambridge and has like a deep like theater background so you know if you've ever met like a performer if if they can keep your eyes on them that could be their only motivation right, right? it doesn't need to be political it doesn't need to be uh, 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 trying to get you on side and because he's because he's so good, I, I don't I don't I don't know what his motivation is. I would normally say like if he was like, uh, you know, I don't know. I part of me thinks he wa- he wants your eyes. Yes. But the other part of me thinks that he could be like, you know, the most brilliant like anti-fascist, secretly paid for by the liberals <laughs> to like <laughs> have this monster that just like takes you down from from another angle. Like right. like I would pay for that. <laughs> I would like my tax dollars going to that kind of exactly. uh, uh, journalism for the most part. For sure, I mean, instead at, of at Space Force. Instead yeah. of Space Force. Yeah, diver- divert yeah. some uh, yeah. fundage towards yeah. uh, the Sasha Baron Cohen. Please, please. Let's start a Kickstarter for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It sounds like he needs it. All right, brother. It was so good to talk to you. Yes. This is an amazing experience. I love you, man. I love you too, brother. Peace. So there you have it. That episode was smoother than most, so uh, thanks for checking it out. This has been Episode 5 of uh, Season 3 for First Generation Burden. I want to thank again our sponsor, Des Gin, Ben Sounds on Music. Please make sure that you subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, if you want to follow me on social media, it's just rich underscore TU on Instagram and Twitter and things like that. So one more episode to go for season three. Uh, maybe I'll keep going. Um, usually I do six per season, but uh, we'll see. I'm going to play it by ear. And uh, as always, I appreciate you for listening. 
and come back next week to First Generation Burden. Bye.